0: Welcome Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone for another edition of Red Sox Deep Dives. This episode is going to be almost entirely about the Red Sox bullpen. There's plenty to get into. As far as moves that could be made, could we see different alignments in the coming days and weeks? Back with me for this episode, Andrew Dwan, Joe Goddard. Are you guys ready?
1: More ready than half the bullpen
2: is. Let's go. My favorite episode of the week. Let's do it.
0: So, Barnes-Blue in Game 1 has... Fourth game in the last, what, couple series, something like that. One of them was in a safe situation previously. How cons- in his
2: last uh, 15 games.
0: Fourth in his last 15, okay. And so his, his metrics are sliding. They're dropping compared to the first half. How safe is his job in the ninth inning?
1: I think it's 100% safe at this point. I don't see anyone that's going to slide into it. Um, it's not like they traded, you know, for the uh, uh, God. Why am I trying to play Craig Kimbrell or anyone, you know? Um, so I, I, I can't see anyone that would be willing just like to hop in and take the reins at this point. It's not like Ottavino slipped a little bit
2: too, so he's not breathing down his neck. I, I, I think it's Barnes or Bust. I think it's very safe, unfortunately, uh, because I think. He started to slip when he signed a contract extension. And I think the numbers show that when someone's breathing down these guys' necks, their competitive fire takes them to another level, as does a contract year. So as much as I think we got Barnes for two more years at a good price tag, he's starting to slip a little bit, and I wonder if there's no coincidence there.
1: Well, his usage is definitely up too. I mean, he's already been appeared in 48 games, 46 innings, career high is 69 innings. And with 50 games left, <laughs> ideally he's going to have to go past that. Um, it would only take 23 appearances to clean appearances to match it. Um, I think they definitely relied on him a lot. I think they, yeah, that's how they got off to as good of a first half as they did, where they pushed guys to maybe their limit. And it's coming back a little bit. Matt Barnes pitched in the All-Star game. Pitched like 40 pitches, by the way. I was a little drunk at the game, and I was yelling at uh, uh, Kevin Cash. I was a little angry. So, I don't know. It, that, that didn't
0: help him. Cash probably wanted to make sure he had his Tommy John surgery schedule right? by the end of the week. but. <laughs> I'm not ready to say that they're going to take him out of that role, but I'm pretty concerned right now because his curveball does not have the bite that it had pre-sticky stuff being banned. And you look at that outing against Tampa, he's afraid to attack the zone. I mean, that was the big change. He, w- he was attacking the zone because they couldn't hit it you know, he he had enough spin and, and whatever, and, and when you look at that outing in game one, he was trying to attack the edges of the zone and the corners and whatnot, and he wasn't able to locate. He wasn't able to locate. And he walked a couple of guys, and I think the book is out on him. I think the better teams in the American League, luckily we won't be facing many of them for a little while, but uh, and we won't be facing Toronto again, thank God. But I think he's going to struggle. And I think the Red Sox are going to learn the hard way that he's probably not a closer in the post-sticky stuff era. It worked out great for a couple of months like everyone else on this team. But
2: I think he's I, a closer.
0: No, and
1: I I know Lou loney threw a tweet out there with all of his pre- and post-crackdown numbers, and they, there was no difference in his spin rate. I I think he's just been afraid to attack guys. I think there's been a downtick in velocity a little bit, and the Matt Barnes we saw were like, who the, f- who the heck is this? He was pumping strike one every single batter, and it was just like, this is amazing, this is refreshing, this is a guy we haven't seen before, and we're not getting that right.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of it. Uh, the big part to me is not velocity, it's confidence. He seems to have lost a little bit of confidence in his fastball, and he's a little bit too reliant on that great curveball that he has, which you know, I love. When Matt Barnes is going, the curveball gets swings and misses at an exorbitant rate, especially late in counts when you can use it as kind of a waste pitch. The curveball as the first pitch – diminishes a whole at bat. If you attack a guy with a curveball with the first pitch, then he's seen it. And then when it comes to getting maybe two strikes on a hitter, he's sitting there, he's waiting on the curveball, he's going to do more damage with it. And when Barnes has gotten into trouble in the past, and not even just this year, it's because he throws too many pitches outside the zone, walks too many guys, Or he grooves one because he's behind in the count. If he can pump strike one in there at 97 the way he was doing in the first half, he's going to be fine. If he pumps 95 in there, he's going to be fine. But if he's worried about pumping 95 and therefore is only throwing the curveball as the first pitch, he's going to struggle. And this bullpen doesn't have, right now, another guy who's fresh who can step up. We're going to live and die by Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes was not good, admittedly, in the last couple of appearances. Terry, Andrew, do you guys know what Matt Barnes's numbers are when he has one day of rest? They're probably not great. When he has no rest, his ERA is a little bit higher than four. When he has one day of rest, his ERA drops two and a half runs. So when you threw him out there against Toronto, I'm going to use Toronto because that was the most recent – real implosion that was Matt Barnes' fault, in my opinion. You knew he had no rest. He had very few bullets in the tank, and he left an absolute hanger to George Springer. And then in this Tampa series, he was picking around the edge of the zone with the curveball, and the only time he threw a fastball was absolutely crushed because it was a 2-1 count. The hitter is looking fastball middle in. He got fastball middle in, and... Whether you're Chapman or Barnes or Pedro or Clemens, if they know what pitch is coming, unless you're Mariano Rivera, big league hitters can hit it. So he needs to just be a little bit better at controlling the strike zone early in the count, getting ahead so he can use that devastating curveball to his advantage instead of to his disadvantage.
0: His curveball, to me, doesn't seem to have the same bite that it did have previously. So whether you can attribute that to spin rate or or whatever, maybe maybe it's still a a general issue of grip on the ball. I don't know. His strikeout percentage uh, before July was 49%. He struck out 49% of the batters. He faced that was a 15 point whatever strikeout per nine, which is insanely high. It must it was probably top three or four in the league, excuse me, if not higher. Since July, it's gone from the start of July, it's gone from 49%, excuse me, 45% all the way down to 29%. So that's a significant drop. His walk rate also went from 7% to now 11% since July. And his strikeout per nine now after July 1st is uh, 10 something. So it's, it's a noticeable decline. And I think there's a good chance we're going to lose some games. We're going to lose some games because of Matt Barnes and, and then we're going to be asking the question when it might be a little bit too late. And I get it. There's no ideal replacement for Matt Barnes. There isn't. It doesn't exist. You you could give it to Ottavino, but he's been scuffling. Josh Taylor. Well, Taylor. Good point. Uh, you yes, could he's... you could make a case. You um, could make a case. That, has he been? He's been. He's a not been lights out. out right no,
2: I'm, I'm not saying he's been lights out. He wasn't even that great today. Um, he hasn't been that great for the last couple of weeks because yeah, of high usage. I mean, his but last
1: fifteen games, has got a one five nine WHIP with a ERA about four.
2: Yeah, not great, not great. His, his numbers are, have been bad. Everyone's been bad, so I'm gonna just to take the last couple of weeks with a grain of salt.
1: Are are is, are we?
2: Go ahead, go ahead, Andrew.
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say, are we having this discussion? If Whitlock didn't have his worst game of the year, I think it was just no. one of those like everything just all all the proverbial crap hit the fan at the same oh, time oh, for the like, entire.
2: Like, oh, you're the, he's they the best pitcher. Love so it. They love doing off, that. They it love it.
1: Apart. Yeah, they, if Eck and Obi could just like jinx guys all days, they they probably wouldn't even ask to get paid. They'd be like, "I'll pay you." They, this is my life's passion. <laughs> it yeah was it, it was brutal
0: the interesting thing about the Whitlock appearance which was also in game one was that after the first inning because he scuffled he went he got five outs total so when he was trying to get those first two outs in I think I want to say it was the sixth inning he was fastball heavy and Xander Bogarts actually approached him and said hey they're sitting on your fastballs right now. You got to start mixing it up. And then he came out for the second inning and was lights out that second inning. Unfortunately, the damage had already been done. Two runs had been given up. One of them, I we in the last episode we talked about JD making essentially a you know an error. I, I don't he probably didn't get charged for it, but threw the ball to third, which allowed the runner from first to go to second. Two runners in scoring position. So that was unfortunate for Whitlock, but but i i'll say this i barnes was off he was going to be off regardless May, I, maybe he's not quite as nervous i i don't know but he was behind in every count in every batter he faced I- including nelson that's, Cruz the key. That it, that's the key
2: if you watch it though he started every single hitter with a curveball and they were all first pitch balls
1: yeah, he's nibbling you know. No, that's the that's the thing. I don't see a downtick in stuff. I see a, I see an uptick in nibbling. And it, it that's a confidence thing. And I think we saw that with JD in the uh, dugout after the end of the game.
2: Yeah he I was think like he's trying to be too no. perfect.
1: Yeah, and you can't. It's like aiming your putt too hard.
2: You're this, this entire it's, team is doing it. They're all pressing to be perfect, to be the one that snaps the team out of the slump. And it's causing them to either hang a breaking ball because they're thinking about the next pitch or the runner on second in some cases, like with Springer, or to nibble at the outside corner three straight pitches when you're clearly not getting it and you give up a walk after being up 0-2. It's just not the way to win ball games long-term. And it's not just bonds. Everybody on the roster has been doing it. If we want to talk about the rest of the bullpen in, in this episode, I mean, there are three guys in the bullpen that on any given night, I feel like give us a good chance to win. I'm, and then the rest of the guys, it's kind of just average. Just bridge the gap.
0: Should we go there right now? I mean, Yeah, I probably, mean, right? Salamora looks great and has the potential to be a bona fide eighth inning guy, but every third or fourth timeout gets rocked. He's prone to the long ball.
2: Well, so... And it's his first year, which is tough. First year with a new ball, right? Yep. My thing with Mora is his out pitch, the splitter, he doesn't throw for a strike ever. So on days where they're not swinging at it, he gets himself into trouble.
1: Yeah,
2: that's a tough one. Right? And that's not not necessarily his fault so much. But if he doesn't pump the gas in at 97 and and get strikes with it, if he's not controlling the fastball, they're just not going to swing. So that's kind of where he gets himself into trouble is he throws the fastball for balls and then he goes to the splitter and they just, they just lay off it.
1: Can, can we title this episode, the Darwin's in appreciation thread, because you don't appreciate him as much until he's gone. And, gone. you know, we're noticing it's so hard. Yeah. It's oh like Mr. Toad's wild ride when he's out there, but more often than not, he's been, I mean, acceptably passable
0: uh, much better
1: than
2: the other guys yeah exactly
0: well i mean he's kind of in the same rhythm as salamora i feel like every third or fourth time yeah, out he's fair. just he just loses it so it, it's <laughs> where's it going is a guy like robles
2: right robles uh, it's like yeah. every other time he loses it <laughs> yeah. so you really I appreciate see the difference
1: I want to see Robles just load up on spider tech. Cause I think if he could get a grip, he'd be an amazing pitcher and just do it till he get caught. <laughs> Cause he's got a filthy fastball. Just load up, dude. Who gets Do it till shit? he gets caught and then DFA him.
2: Be like, yeah. sorry, this guy sucks.
0: <laughs> we tried. <laughs> um, Brazier, Ryan Brazier could probably, I wouldn't be shocked to see him at some point in this Orioles series. Have you guys looked up his numbers at
1: all? Because I actually meant to do that earlier, and I did not. But I do know he pitched last night,
2: I'm gonna and I'm going to try to grab these right now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we're still going to take it I'm going to
2: be honest. I have yeah, t- of many of his stats, but I have one of them right in front of me right now.
1: From his 20, I'm gonna
2: Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to just go oh, with, okay. with the stats. Of I was him. just at curious his about his rehab. Okay, I was going to say, at his peak, 34 appearances, 600 runs, 29 strikeouts. And an 077 whip for a 1.6 ERA in 2018. We're not going to get that yeah. guy. <laughs> We're not going to get that guy. But can we get the guy with a 1 3 whip from 2020? Hell yeah, we can. So that's going to change a lot of things about this bullpen. I mean, that's one more guy you can give the ball to in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. That's probably not going to go out there every other time and give it away.
0: And Brazier threw a clean inning in his first outing, so I don't know how his second outing that went.
1: Can't be worse, right? I mean, it's a trustworthy arm, and we know Cora loved
2: to go to the well with him. So, I and he would be a fresh arm, right? Yeah, so that's that's <laughs> I, mostly what it is. It lasts. Yeah, I'm looking forward to no him. No fresh arms. We have no we have no bullets left in Matt Barnes' arm right now with 50 games to go. Autovino does not look. Like the Vino that we saw in the first half, Josh Taylor has been thrown out there so often that they're they're learning to hit the slider. And he was going to come back down to earth, no doubt. I mean, he was the best pitcher in baseball for the first five months. You can't expect that to stick.
0: And with with What's Brazier on? last season, he was a, a bona fide setup man in the eighth inning. So, yeah,
2: no, he was great. He can. And so if you can. Tear him into that that three man trust, you know, circle of trust. And you add Brazier to give Odovino a day off here. He's a day off there. And then Josh Taylor doesn't have to work in the sixth inning if Darwinson Hernandez comes back healthy every single time, mm-hmm. we're going to be in good shape. And yeah, it's two good arms. You it's two you also arms. have guys in the pen who I think overlooking that Martin Perez in the pen can be the long guy. Why is Yaxel Rios in there? Like, why? He's pitching every day when the games are closed. 4-1 game today, and you put in Yaxel Rios. 4-1 in the fifth inning. It, it's not over yet. Right. Martin? I have a theory
1: on that. I and think that I think, honestly, he probably wanted to put in Richards, but didn't want the crowd reaction. And didn't want like a giant momentum swing to come in with just a swoon of negativity coming over the city. When <laughs> oh, we I got action in, in right field. I because I was, like as soon as I had walked away and I had I could hear the game. It's like we got action in the bullpen. I was like, oh my god, I kind of hope it's uh, I kind of hope it's Richards. I was like, oh, I wanted shit, to see Richards. Going to like throw everyone to a panic, and it wasn't and. Should have I mean at this point. Well so I look
2: at it this way, and Terry maybe you look at it differently and Andrew, you as well. Every time I see Yaxel Rios, it's like Cora's waving the white flag on that game. If we win that game, it's gravy. But every time I see Yaxel Rios, it's like like Curtis Lascanic in 0-4. It's like every time he's out there, you lose. And it's not even necessarily his fault. I just feel like you put him into situations where the team is already behind and he doesn't quite get you three outs without giving up one or two runs at least, and so you know a four one game very quickly becomes an eight one game, and then you're really out of reach, and then the team just chops yeah. it up, and they're like, okay, well, let's move on to tomorrow.
0: I mean, he's, yeah, they just, he's they been up and down. Back. I I don't think he's like Austin Bryce bad, but he, I
2: think he's I think he's slightly better than Austin Bryce.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I I I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, Rios is coming in. But then that ends up being the game. He he ends up being all right. And then I mean, I mentioned in
2: the last episode, it's like a seesaw. The next game is you want to get rid of him.
0: The next game ends up being maddening because, you know, like today, he gives up one or two runs. But but I think the reason that he's stuck around as long as he has is because he he can go multiple innings. So. We'll okay, see go
2: multiple winnings, but so can Martin Perez. Well, and so can Garrett Richards.
0: That's what I was getting at. So we'll see what Cora's trust level is with those two guys. I personally like Richards better than Martinez in the pen. Martinez can Absolutely. go out there and just not have it immediately. And and then and then he he's pitching like Rios. Your vo- Job, your volume. No.
2: About that, I accidentally hit the mute button. Okay. So, to me, I look at it and say, "Martín Pérez can instantly take you out of the ball game, right?
0: Yeah, he could.
2: But he can also go out there and give you six outs without burning the bullpen. So competitive. Yaxel Rios, every time he comes in, he's good for what? Four outs, and then he gets shelled a little bit. And then four outs, to come get him." Empty the rest of the bullpen. Like, if you're <laughs> gonna get shelled. You might as well put somebody in like Martín Pérez, who can give you three innings. If you're be down eight to one, like why are the other guys pitching?
1: You know, did so he sucked. But did Brandon Workman make a ridiculously stupid decision to refuse the uh, the option to Worcester?
2: Yes. Because he'd be back on this. You know what I
1: mean? I mean, he was horrible. He was really bad. I mean, his whip was like close to three, I want to say.
0: He got bad all at once. Like three or four of his last starts was when he really lost it. He he was walking the tightrope. But I think he actually might have a
1: spot on this roster right now had he not elected free agency. Because I don't understand why he did that. That was dumb. And he hasn't. Neither here nor there. No, he hasn't landed with anyone. Okay. It was just something I was thinking about, like just thinking of the guys that we know. I mean, we have three bodies that will likely be gone. You know, it's just we need some, we need some guys to get healthy. That, that, that's what it comes down to. It sucks. But we need these guys to get healthy. We need them to get healthy fast. I think Brazier's getting healthy fast. I think.
0: Darwin's in. Um,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I, he needs to get back. I haven't heard anything about him, though.
0: Let's talk about Tanner Houck while we still have a little bit. Yeah. we're, we're kind of we've had some private conversations in the war room, and we're we kind of have different mindsets on him.
1: Andrew, why They're don't all you go positive. ahead? <laughs> well, my I love Tanner Houck. It's great that we managed to develop an arm every 15 years. It's fantastic. And hey, finally, it's like Haley's comet. We get a pitcher. And Hauk, I think, is a great pitcher. I think he's immensely talented. I don't think he can go through a lineup three times. Guys get a great view on him. And it it is what it is. He's got a role at a major league high leverage situation. I don't know if they have to piggyback him with someone else. I think if he's on a different organization, maybe we see a starter that goes two. Like, think of what Tampa could have done with – what was it, Rasputin or whatever his name was on uh Thursday. Imagine him going Last four season. yeah, him going four and then you put Halk in. or you him going three and then you put Halkin for five and then you put your closer in. Shutdown game. I I just don't see a situation where you, Tanner Halk is a sixth inning pitcher. And I, like I, I said on go. You do? Well if he yeah, gets the, develop
2: a third pitch. That's how it happens. Well yeah, but
1: I, he, is he going to? That splitter was very ineffective today. Well, he, got he couldn't it. throw a first okay. strike. It was I high and outside every time. Develop it this season. But
2: going into yeah. the next season, if he develops a third pitch, well, that'd be phenomenal. I'm like Darryl, yeah, say I'm all for it. With Garrett Whitlock and, and borrows that changeup. Well, then there's Matt and Andrees. The, Matt, Andres.
1: Matt, Matt Andres, have and the next
2: else. pitching coach for the Red Sox, Matt right. Andrees.
1: Him and Davey That's Bush, like, just co-pitching coaches. But no, Get out of the right. let me let the me motion. throw my theory really quick. I'm gonna be really fast go for this. It. Tanner Houck would make a great closer, and he oh, could give I you. I a... want
0: that. Go ahead. But no. yeah, if no. he
1: can't be a starter, why not put him in the second most important pitching uh, role? A guy that can potentially go eighth and ninth inning, whatever you need him to go. That's a weapon, and I ideal world develops a third third pitch. I'd love to see him as your number four starter. I just don't see him being able to go three times through a match uh, that's lineup. a lineup.
2: That's a waste of his talent. I he think can I give you four innings of... What about Papelbon? Shutdown pitching.
1: That was the same thing with Papelbon. Couldn't get through the lineup a third time. So they're like, okay, screw but it. I,
2: so let's take Thursday's experiment, right? Thursday's start as our, this is what Tanner Hauck is going to be, right? The third time through the lineup, did you think he had a bad, like, did you think he, that he was, they were really all over him? Because I was yes. sitting there on the third baseline. Yes. And the only at that where I was like, why is he out there? Wander Franco? I was Because he couldn't even get like... a ball by
1: him. But the guy before him too was ripping, uh, what foul balls down the first baseline, and yeah, then yeah, two
2: foul balls on the third baseline, and, and fought some pitches off. But the deceptions. Everyone gone. in the ball. Yeah, of course it is. But that's also the most lefty lineup in the big leagues. Lefty-heavy lineup he's ever going to face. Everybody in that lineup today, except one. Nelson they Cruz. set him he up left. for that.
1: They set him up for that, though. That's they what did. Tampa does. And they did. That no sucks. doubt.
2: And then you notice you notice when he comes out of the game. Daniel Margot comes into the game. And yeah. some of these other big bats come into the game for a right handed hitters. I think Tanner Howe could absolutely be the most dominant bullpen arm in baseball against right handed pitching. But I also think if you can get four innings from him. Slot him into the starter. Have him have him be the opener once every He's...
1: three days. Is an opener better than having him being a like a season-long all-star closer,
2: though? I don't know if he can be an all-star closer against left-handed hitting. I don't. I, I would like to see it. But I I also think, yes, it is. It is more beneficial to this team the way that we're set up currently going but, forward to have a starting pitcher than a but, Oh, I'm not saying for this season. I'm saying
1: for his future. But how many teams can just all of a sudden pull, like, two or three left-handed betters off the, off the bench. Not no one's situation.
2: Now, here's my thing. If you have Tanner Houck as your everyday eighth-inning guy or closer, is that better for his career? Probably. Is it better for the Red Sox? Probably not. That's that's where I look at it.
0: Terry, what are your thoughts well, on that? Well, I'm a year away from making a move like that. For him being a closer. I'm not saying I won't ever get there. Oh, no, no,
2: no.
1: Give him all the time. Give him all the time.
0: I've never seen a rookie pitcher come in and own the mound like he does and have all the confidence in the world that he does and not rattle. I just, I really want to agree. I want to be extremely thorough with this. The most splitters he had thrown before today was four in a game. He threw eight today, and, yeah, he mislocated some of them, but he also got three swings and misses. So I think there could be some progress there, and maybe maybe the splitter doesn't end up being the pitch. Maybe they come up with something, and, and that's something that could happen this winter, for instance. But That's
2: how I look at it, Terry. I mean, he has absolute dominant control of two pitches. His fastball location is perfect. His slider has more movement on it than any slider I've ever seen from a righty.
0: And he's, like, I can't think of another guy with that slider. When I talk about the confidence too, though, he handled New York, which I mean, Aaron judge, on Carlos Stanton. They're still scary to a rookie pitcher for the most part. Absolutely. And he
2: throws the ball so fast. He catches it and throws it. I'm picturing a future here, Andrew, with a two hour and 40 minute, start for the Red Sox I'm not moving about right now I'm just
1: saying I think if no, I like if you. it didn't happen I I I am sky high on him absolutely sky high on him I just at this point it's a liability third time through the order and give him a full off season and we do have to recognize he went down for two
2: months like did we injured injured
0: for two months. That was Andrew, a league-wide okay phenomenon, with- though.
2: It was.
0: It yeah. was.
2: Hey, yeah. Andrew, would you guys consider – now, this is this is interesting. We get to the postseason, which at this point is no guarantee. Would oh. Oh. you consider slotting Garrett Whitlock to the opener spot? No. With, or Tanner Houck into the opening spot and have Garrett Whitlock piggy off him? I think those two guys in a one-two punch – for seven innings you know four and then three or three and then four could be the way you get through one game i think that's one game of the postseason right there i
1: think with the the postseason will be hilarious because i think we've seen Cora say i don't give a shit about these guys arms we're gonna burn through them and i whitlock i think is your eighth inning. i said this last week i think whitlock is your eighth inning guy i
2: really do
0: i love it i wouldn't hate that either but i mean we're gonna get looks at some of the pitchers we mentioned brazier darwin's and i think before that yeah. move yo happen, the real but,
2: i mean so the real reason absolutely. i say that the real reason i say that is i don't want will have his right, thinning guy because he's the only guy i can give you multiple links whose name isn't robles or davis or garbage like insert Gar- garbage. <laughs> yeah
0: Garrett richards yeah, I mean, we haven't seen Richards in that role, but he he should be able to find two pitches he's somewhat comfortable with. Yeah, and
1: in the next couple of weeks, should show us how they
0: want to use the bullpen full, and, like you know, come October and get six outs anyway. Yep. But uh, so we'll wrap this one up with Andrew. What do you think? What do you think the next month, five weeks, will be with Connor Seabold? You know. He's
1: actually been more stretched out than Tanner has. And I don't know if they're going to bring him up, but I do want to see him get a spot start here or there. I, I've loved what that kid's shown. And what if he shows you flashes? Why can't that be your two-inning guy over Martin Perez? You know what I mean? You know, September call-up.
2: man up with a you with have, an injury. He's the next you, guy up, though.
1: He, I mean, by attrition, absolutely. <laughs> and you get to bring what rosters I think are 27, or no, well, they're 26. 26. So, so you got to bring them up to 28 come September. So, that's two free call ups.
2: I both think both going to be pitchers. Oh, they better
1: both be pitchers. I mean, <laughs> I know, who, who else would
0: it be? <laughs> Cordero again?
2: Right now, I want Yairo Munez in my outfield oh, instead of Frankie yeah. Cordero.
0: That's, but a that's a nice one.
1: That's, that's another, that, uh, that's a spark for plug, like an hour man. I mean, the, he's the
2: hottest hitter in minor league baseball. I, he I is. Want energy, but and Seabold can give you that spark. Then if he doesn't get the, the hit location. on the
1: first pitch, he's getting out. His OBP is literally his average. He hasn't taken a walk. But I I don't want to get sidetracked here really quick. I think Connor Siebold gets the September call-up. If it's not a Kevin McCarthy or a Brennan, and I think he could be a two-inning weapon that, no you know, no one has any tape familiarity and its depth for a help that goes four or five then you bridge the gap to your 18 bulb pen.
0: bring him up in the
1: playoffs like for now
0: in the Tampa series bring him up because they don't have the book on him and yeah sold bring him up do it
2: uh you just you just sold me on him Andrew I hope he's up next week
0: <laughs> uh give him get we'll, a, we'll a, a, it a quick. In but yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, all right. We'll call it for this episode for the listening audience. Again, we will be back on Sunday night to record the outcome of the Orioles series and probably a lot of Chris Sale talk as well. Have a good weekend. Take care.